right, so here we are, week number one of a brand new series. I am glad you're here. The name of this is Just Slap Them. Just Slap Them. Haven't you wanted to? I mean, let's be honest. Haven't there been those moments in your life you just wanted to slap them? When that person just didn't seem to get it. I mean, you were trying to help them to get it, and they just didn't get it. Maybe they didn't get the hint or they didn't get the clue. Maybe they didn't even get the direct and obvious statement that you had made. They just didn't get it. And it makes you just want to slap them because we do think if we could just slap a little sense into them, then I would feel better. Maybe, at least. If they didn't get the sense, I would feel better anyway, I think if you just slap them. So let's take that thought for just a moment. Let's hit the pause button. And let me ask this question. How must God feel about us? How must God feel about me? How must God feel about you? And you know, the truth is, we actually have some really good evidence about how it does make God feel, because we find some of these examples in the Old Testament. But if you're like me, sometimes I think about the Old Testament, and sometimes I think, well, it's, it's the Old Testament, it's, it's just really old. But the truth is, it is old, and it is ripe with lessons for me today. Maybe you think about the Old Testament, and you're like, okay, Old Testament, but it has nothing to do with me today. I mean, that was thousands and thousands of years ago. It has nothing to do with me today in 2018, almost 2019, which is real close to 2020. Nothing to do with me today. But the reality is it does. Just as, just as, the choices that your parents made have everything to do with you today. The Old Testament is really the same way. It does, even today, have everything to do with us still today. Sometimes we think of the Old Testament, we think, oh, but it's just history. Yawn, it's just history. Well, I love the fact that if you slow that word down history it becomes his story and really that's what the old testament is all about now for this series we're going to study one book out of the bible and we're going to study the whole book really we're going to give you a survey of this whole book and it's not we're going to dig deep into four different sections of this because it's a very small book in the Bible. It was possibly written around 762 BC. That's 762 years before Jesus was born. So it's pretty old. We're going to study a book written by the man named Amos. Now they call this a minor prophet. It's only called minor because it is 
it's not very many chapters long. That's the only reason it's minor. Not because it is insignificant, not because it is not important. It's just short, but it's very important. Let me tell you a little bit about this guy named Amos. Amos was uh, kind of, uh, he did several things. He was diversified in his income, in his business. He was a breeder. He was a rancher. And he was also a farmer. He did all three. And this means for Amos, because he was involved in all three of those pretty heavily, he was very respected in his community. So Amos comes with some clout, with some respect. Now let me tell you about what was going on in Israel during this time. The climate of Israel. This was a time when Israel had already been divided into two different nations. We had the northern kingdom and we have the southern kingdom. Both of those are Israel. But often they called the northern kingdom Israel. They called the southern kingdom Judah. Judah was centered around Jerusalem. And then we had the northern kingdom, which was simply called Israel. But together they really were all Israel. It was just a divided kingdom. Some things had gone wrong. Don't have time to talk about that. But this was a time in the history of Israel where things really were going pretty well. I mean, money, money was flowing at this time. People were making a lot of money. Not everybody though was, but there was enough money being made that an upper class emerged during this time in Israel. Some expensive homes were being built and assembled. The rich of this time were enjoying a very indulgent lifestyle. And at the same time, the poor were growing in numbers as well, and they were becoming, you could say, targets. They were becoming targets. They were being exploited. During this time, there was a lot of slavery for debt that was taking place, and it was accepted. The standards of morality during this time were going down, down, down. But strangely, while all of that was taking place, strangely, religion was flourishing. They were observing all the festivals that they were supposed to observe. They were offering all the sacrifices they were supposed to offer. And they steadfastly maintained that their God was with them. God was on their side. And because of that, they really considered themselves immune to disaster, immune to bad things because God has our back. Now, these folks in Israel who were gaining wealth, they were elevating themselves, and they were kind of trampling on and abusing the poor. They were all about themselves. They were all about um, pleasing themselves. 
They also were all about checking off the religious boxes, saying, yep, I did that, God. Yes, I did that. I made that sacrifice. I went to that festival. I worshiped on this. Uh, Saturday, I did this. Yes, yes, I did all of these things, God. Yes, I've checked off the boxes. I've done really well. And all the time they were checking off those boxes, they were also looking out for their own rights. In other words, I deserve this and I deserve that. I have a right to this. I have a right to that. And as I think about kind of where Israel was at this time in our history, I get this strange feeling that we are right back there today. We live in a time that confuses religion with following Jesus. They think of them as the same thing. We live in a time that obsesses over our personal rights. We also live in a time that obsesses over ourselves and what we want. And so Amos, around 762 BC, emerges on the scene. Amos from the southern kingdom, and he travels to the northern kingdom as God asked him to do. And he begins to deliver this message to the northern kingdom of Israel. And he offers the northern kingdom of Israel what you could call God's most wanted list. If they had a national post office in Israel, all of this would have been up on the bulletin board. God's most wanted. And here's how Amos begins. This is what he says. Amos chapter 1 verse 3. Amos says to the entire northern kingdom, this is what the Lord says. That's common what a prophet would say. Here's what he says. The people of Damascus have sinned again and again, and I, he is speaking for God, as God asked him to do, and I, this is God, I will not let them go unpunished. They beat down my people, in other words, the Israelites, in Gilead as grain is threshed with iron sledges. Now let me give you a little clue here. The Damascus people, um, the nations around this Damascus area, these were long-time enemies of Israel. And so as Amos said that, that God is going to let the people of Damascus have it, (laughs) then the people heard that and they were like, what? Yes! And you could just imagine the people who were listening began to cheer. Yeah! Go God! Let them have it! They suck! I hate them! They're our enemies! They were bad to us! They were mean to us! Those meanies! The bullies! Let them have it! And they began to cheer. Yes! They're going to get what they deserve. Go God! They sold Israelite men into slavery and women and children as slaves. Yes! Woohoo! Thank you, God! Amos, Amos, Amos. We like what you're saying, bro. And Amos continues. 
Next, he moves to the hometown of one of the most, oh, actually, 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 he goes to the Philistines, the Philistines. Oh, now, you, maybe you've heard about the Philistines. They, they appear frequently. These are longtime enemies also of Israel. And here's what he says in 1.6. This is what the Lord says. The people of Gaza have sinned again and again and again. And here's what God says. I will not let them go unpunished. They sent whole villages into exile selling them as slaves to eat them. And here's where they sold men, women, children, just sold them as slaves. And you can imagine the people now, they're cheering louder. Yes, we hate those people. They are meanies. Get them, God. Tear them apart. I knew you would have our back. They sinned. Go get them. They're excited. And so God continues with his most wanted list given to Amos. And now he goes to, the, to one of the hometown people. He goes to um, the country where this queen was from. She was a Gentile. She was not a Jew. Queen Jezebel, maybe you've heard the name. Frequently, people today still use that word to describe someone who's kind of, kind of a hoe. They say, she's a Jezebel. She's a Jezebel. Yo, Jezebel. Maybe you've heard that. Well, that's where this comes from. And Jezebel, so Jezebel did not have a great reputation. She was perhaps the most wicked queen ever in Jerusalem. And now God says something about her home country. Here's what happens. Amos 1.9. This is what the Lord says. The people of Tyre have sinned again and again. And I will not let them go unpunished, God says. They broke their treaty of brotherhood with Israel, selling whole villages as slaves to Edom. Now, Jezebel, Jezebel, who now at this time, she was not queen any longer. That was a long time ago. But she has now relatives because she was married to the king. So she now has relatives in Israel and she has relatives in Tyre, which means that some of the Israelites know some of the people in Tyre. Those are some, not all, but there are some of their relatives over in Tyre. But the Israelites, I can only imagine, are still cheering because Jezebel was a wicked queen. And that country did some wicked things to Israel. So I can only imagine that it's like, well, we just know some of them. But go get them, God. Go get them. They are our enemies and they have sinned and they deserve what they're going to get. Now God moves to his most wanted list a little closer to home. And he goes to even some more close relatives. So Israel, they're all from the line of Jacob. 
I don't have time to go through all that family history. But he was pretty much a big deal in the genealogy of history. Jacob had a brother named Esau. Jacob and Esau, uh, it didn't always go so well between the two. They made amends later, but it didn't always go so well. All of Esau's descendants, they come from this next country. So all of this next country are actually distant cousins to Israel. And here's what God has to say. This is what the Lord says. This is verse 11. The people of Edom have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. That seems to be the theme of what's happening here. He describes it. They chased down their relatives, the Israelites, with swords, showing them no mercy. In their rage, they slashed them continually and were unrelenting in their anger. So this was pretty drastic. Cousin on cousin. And God says they were pretty horrible to the Israelites. So I can only imagine that they're thinking, yes, go get them. They're our relatives, but I don't like them. Some of those people you eat Thanksgiving with. Now next, God takes it another step closer to home. More relatives. This time, the relatives came from a distant relative named Lot. Now, Lot was the nephew of Abraham. Abraham, again, one of the great, great, great names in the genealogy of Israel. So Abraham's nephew, Lot, these are his descendants. Abraham and Lot. Abraham was patient, was patient, was patient with Lot. But Lot seemed to always choose the wrong thing. Abraham wasn't perfect. Lot just seemed to always, always make a bad choice. And here's the, the country that represents the descendants of Lot. Amos 1 verse 13. This is what the Lord says. The people of Ammon have sinned again and again. And what's going to happen? The same thing to all of them. I will not let them go unpunished. When they attacked Gilead to extend their borders, that's what happened here, to extend their borders, they ripped open pregnant women with their swords. So this was horrible. And you can imagine, you can imagine, the Israelites are cheering, yes, Amos, God, thank you for the message. I didn't really like that side of the family anyway. And then he gives us more of Lot's descendants. Chapter 2, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. The people of Moab, these are descendants of Lot as well. They have sinned again and again. And what's the word? I will not let them go what? unpunished. He's going to punish them. And here's what happens. They, here's what they did. They desecrated the bones of Edom's king, burning them to ashes. And I can just imagine the, the northern kingdom just cheering. 
yeah, I didn't like that part of the family either. They're kind of the, the trashy hot mess side of the family. I don't like them. Go get them, God. And he goes on. Amos chapter 2, verse 4. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah. They're like, yeah. Wait. See, the people of Judah, these were not just distant cousins. These were like brothers and sisters. Because Israel was made up of the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom called Israel. This was close family, close relatives. And together, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, all part of God's chosen people, and this southern kingdom is all centered around God's holy place, Jerusalem. You see, the divided kingdom, it was the kingdom of Israel was divided into the nation of Israel and the southern kingdom, Judah. And Amos travels from the southern kingdom to the northern kingdom, and he's delivering this message. So Judah, along with the northern kingdom, make up the entire nation of Israel. And here's what Amos said. This is what the Lord said. The people of Judah have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. And I can imagine the people saying, yes! Wait a minute. Did he say Judah? Ah, maybe he said Bermuda. I hear they have a wicked triangle. Couldn't have been Judah. There are pros, not Judah. And here's what Amos says. They have rejected the instruction of the Lord refusing to obey his decrees. They have been led astray by the same lies that deceived their ancestors. And those cheers for God's most wanted list began to fade at this point, I can only imagine, to silence. You see, they thought that God would protect them forever. Because why? They are God's chosen people. And Amos said, nope, nope, nope. You're going to face the music. You're going to face the music. Just like all the other pagan nations. But, 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 but Amos... Amos, we are the most blessed nation. We are God's chosen. We are too blessed to be stressed. We are part of God's chosen nation, and we are the northern part of that, the northern part of Israel. Amos, certainly we are too blessed to be stressed like that. And he goes on. Amos chapter 2, starting with verse 6. This is what the Lord says 
the people of Israel, now he's speaking to the northern kingdom specifically, the people of Israel have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. And here's the list. They sell honorable people for silver and the poor people for a pair of sandals. He said, they trample on the helpless in the dust and they shove the oppressed out of the way. He says, both father and son sleep with the same woman, corrupting my holy name, God says. At the religious festivals, this is in verse eight, they, they lounge in clothing that their debtors put up as security. In the house of their God, they drink wine bought with unjust fines. You see, God is reminding them that they represent, this nation of Israel represents a holy and perfect God to the rest of the world. And this nation called Israel is called to be holy as God is holy. Yes, Israel was blessed. And yes, God did have their back and he acted on their behalf and they were so blessed because they got to witness this. And so Amos goes through this list. This is God's message to them, but Amos delivering it. Listen to what he says in verse nine. But as my people watched, I destroyed the Amorites, though they were as tall as cedars and strong as oaks. I destroyed the fruit on their branches and, and dug out their roots. Verse 10, it was I who rescued you from Egypt and led you through the desert for 40 years so you could possess the land of the Amorites. Verse 11, I chose some of your sons to be prophets and others to be Nazarites. And then he says to the nation, can you deny this? My people of Israel? Ask the Lord. So I, here's a phrase I want you to hear. As we kind of break down what is happening in this nation of Israel and what's going on, here's the first part of the phrase. When the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, when the most blessed become the most self-obsessed. Listen to verse 12. But you caused the Nazarites to sin by making them drink wine. That was one of their vows. I will never drink wine for this special group inside the Israel uh, nation called Nazarites. That was just one of the vows. I'll never drink wine. He said, you caused them to drink wine. And he says, you commanded the prophets to shut up. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Don't tell me how I'm not doing what God wants. Don't tell me, shut up. And so as a result, we have a nation who is now selling their own family, their own Israelites who were poor, selling them into slavery. 
We have a nation of people who are stepping on their own poor. We have a nation of Israel who is living in sexual sin, as Amos describes. We have a nation of Israel who is very religious in their behavior, but their religion and their religiosity is corrupted. That's what we have. You see, when those people or nations who are called to be holy, when they reject that holiness and they begin to serve themselves rather than serving God, Here's what happens. This is our bottom line for today. When the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, they end up the most distressed. When the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, they end up the most distressed. Listen to what God has to say to them that's going to bring them distress. Verse 13. So I, and he's speaking directly to the northern kingdom of Israel. So I will make you groan like a wagon loaded with sheaves of grain. Your fastest runners will not get away. God says, I'm too quick for you. The strongest among you will become weak. Even the mighty warriors will be unable to save themselves. The archers will not stand their ground. The swiftest runners won't be fast enough to escape. Even those riding horses won't be able to save themselves, God says. Verse 16, on that day, the most courageous of your fighting men will drop their weapons and they will run for their lives. And here's how Amos ends it. Says the Lord. When the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, they end up the most distressed. Now here's the good news. The good news is that prophecy, everything I just read you in the book of Amos, that prophecy is not for us. Oh, thank you, Harley. Yeah, that was a close one. It's not for us. That was very specifically and only written around 762 years before Jesus was born. It was written to, to the northern kingdom of Israel. That was not for you. That was not for me. Thank goodness. But the bad news is, 
there is a whole lot of truth in there for us. We are and have been for some time the most blessed country in the world today. We were founded upon principles of God's holy scriptures. Not not the principles of humanism as history has been reinterpreted for today. No, we were founded upon God's word. We were a country founded upon, listen to this very closely, especially students, listen to this. We were founded upon the principle of freedom to worship God, not the freedom from religion, as history has been rewritten for today. From the founding of our nation, and as we moved more and more toward God's best. As we moved more and more through forgiveness of the sins of our nation. The sins of our past as a nation. As we moved past those sins, our nation has been super blessed. We have been blessed with growing freedom. We have been blessed with growing wealth and resources. And as we grew in those blessings over the past decades, we became more and more and more selfish. And we have become more and more and more self-centered. And we have become more and more and more non-religiously self-righteous. And we have become more and more and more self-obsessed. And all of that selfishness has a future. What is our future for us? What is our future as a nation if we don't repent and change directions. Here's our future. When the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, they end up the most distressed. That's the truth. The New Testament tells us so. 
Galatians chapter 6 verse 5 says this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. I'm not responsible for yours. You are not responsible for mine. We as a nation, individually, each one of us are responsible for our own conduct. You see, when the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, and that's a choice, then they end up, there's a future in that, and they end up the most distressed. It may not be today. It may not have been yesterday. It may not even be tomorrow, but God says it's coming. It's going to happen. Here's how he says it, Galatians 6 verse 7. Don't be misled, Paul says. You cannot mock, make fun of, uh, put in your face and, and say, ah, nan, nanny, boo boo, God. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Because when the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, they end up at some point the most distressed. Paul goes on in verse 8. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death. Where does that come from? It comes from their sinful nature, Paul says. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying there are two opposite lifestyles. And these lifestyles do not meet in the middle. They are opposites. They are polar opposites, extremes from one another. On one side, Paul says, people are living to please their own sinful nature. And that becomes, day in, day out, it becomes a lifestyle. That's on one side. On the other side, Paul says... There are people who are living to please the Spirit. Now, let me make a comment here. Because it really sounds like we have, uh, we have the, the rotten people and we have the goody-two-shoes. Paul is describing two groups of people for sure, but not those two groups. People who are living to please themselves. People who are trying to learn to live to please the Spirit. And this group is never, ever on this side of heaven going to do that perfectly. Remember what Paul said himself? 
It's not going to be on the screen. Just listen to me describe it. In Romans chapter 7, Paul describes this. He says, I know what I should do. Now, let's listen to who Paul is. Arguably, the most uh, amazing follower of Christ ever. He wrote most of the New Testament. Paul. He said, I know, Paul, clearly in this group of people who are living to please the Spirit. And here's what he said about himself. I know what to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. But sometimes I, I just do the opposite. I, sometimes I do what I hate. I know I should do right, but sometimes I do what I should hate. They are not living it perfectly. So please don't confuse bad with goody two-shoes. No, 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 no. Living for ourselves. And Paul says, learning to live for God. There's two lifestyles. Living to please my sinful self, my sinful nature. In other words, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to do when I want to do it. And I'm going to do it because I want to do it. And as a result, when the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, they end up the most distressed. Or learning to live to please the Spirit, to please God, laying aside my selfish desires and choosing to follow Jesus. And that has a result too. Even though I don't and you don't, we don't, no one can live that, this side of heaven perfectly. It still has a result. Verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good and just at just the right time according to God's timing and God's, and it may feel like all the wheels have come off your life and you've been trying to do the right thing. And it may feel like your life is falling apart, but God, I've been trying to live over here. What is going on? He said, don't give up at just the right time, according to God's timing and God's perfect plan at just the right time, we will most definitely assured 100%, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So here's where we end this morning. You are planting seeds this week. With everything that you say and everything that you do. And I'm going to go ahead and say this too. With everything that you think. You are planting seeds this week. And you are planting seeds that will grow. Where or what kind of seeds are you going to plant? This week, 
though we will not do it perfectly. Let's plant some seeds that please God. Let's plant some seeds of loving God. And let's plant some of the hardest seeds there are to plant. Let's plant some seeds of loving others. Let's plant those this week. I'm going to ask you as you leave today to pick up one of these very tiny little things. Where can you find these? You can find them as you leave this in that gray paint area as you leave this worship theater. They're on the barrel that has a glass top, and they're also on the dresser, the chest beside it. Pick one of these up. If you miss it there, Kevin has placed them at the cafe on the top where you get your coffee and donuts and drinks. He's got them there as well. Take, please, 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 take one of these with you. Place this in your pocket. Put it in your car. I, I Put it somewhere. Have it somewhere where you will see it many times a day this week. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Will you start your day by loving God? Planting those seeds of you loving our amazing God. And then will you love God at different times throughout your day, every day this week? I'm hoping this will be ratty nasty by the time you get done. And during your day, will you also love God by loving other people? And here's how this will help you. It just has a phrase that says, God, I love you right now because you are, and there's a blank there because I want you to fill in the blank. You talk to God, just fill in that blank several times during the day. And here's the next phrase, God, help me love you right now by loving the person near me right now. Will you begin to plant those seeds? Why? Why those seeds? Because those seeds will grow. And at just the right time, according to his timing, you will reap a harvest. Or we can continue the trend of our country, the country which is made up of individuals and that trend is this when the most blessed become the most self-obsessed the end result is the most distressed here's the second thing i'm going to ask you to do this week right now on facebook on facebook on the church's page i have a post that is there right now and it is simply a picture that has that bottom line on it. Will you go and find that? Download that picture. Will you post it? I will not think less of you if you do not. I'm just encouraging. This is just an option. Will you, will you consider doing this? Post that on your page. Will you download that? Put that on your Instagram. 
and encourage the people around you with that statement, when the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, they end up the most distressed. But we, together, you and your friends, we can choose differently. Take this before you leave. Just a simple little piece of paper. Carry it with you this week. Let's talk to God. Will you pray with me? God, you told us that we are each responsible for our own conduct. You told us. You told us. You said, do not be misled because we cannot mock your justice, God. You have told us that it is a guarantee we will harvest what we plant. You said those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit, God, will harvest from your Spirit everlasting life. God, it is so clear that when the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, God, that they will end up the most distressed. So let us not grow tired of doing what is good. We can be assured at just the right time, God, we will reap a harvest of blessing from you if we do not give up. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard today. And God, we ask you to give us the courage to do it. Amen.